the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. And I have to tell you, it feels really good to say that after spending three days this week guest hosting in Los Angeles and San Diego. It's good to be back home. Today's Friday and... Typically, we take a look at the lighter side of the news, and that will certainly be a part of what we do today. James Blend will join me for that. We're also going to share a conversation I had, uh, in fact, in L.A. with Joan Lippis of Novea Ministries. She'll be joining us as our interview of the week later on in the second hour of today's program. First, we want to wind our way through some of the top news stories of the day. California residents are taking their anger out against one another as a surge of coronavirus cases has forced the state to resume shutdowns there. Some residents have become frustrated that not enough people are taking the virus seriously. Others are angered by the state's response and its impact on small businesses. So really not too different than everywhere else across the country. Well, for months, residents directed their anger toward the governor. Gavin Newsom and other state officials for shutting businesses down in an effort to contain the virus's spread. Pockets of protests uh, emerged throughout the, the state as the financial effects began to hit home. Again, the same story we're seeing across the country. Businesses garnered some relief last month when the state permitted gradual reopenings with restrictions remaining in place. However, once people were freed from strict restrictions and from being cooped up in their home, They started flouting social distancing rules. They refused to wear masks when attending family dinners and outdoor parties, according to reports. And yes, you guessed it. Earlier this month, a surge in the number of cases started leading to the governor's announcement, barring all bar openings, suspending indoor activities at all restaurants, wineries, tasting rooms, family entertainment centers, zoos, museums and card rooms. Again, similar story being played out all across the country. Well, in other related news, a California pastor ripped the governor's worship lockdown. Churches are not the problem, he says. And of course, in California, you're not permitted to sing, even if you're socially distanced and wearing a mask in church. California barber vows to defy the state's latest coronavirus shutdown. We're not going to live in fear, he says. And the governor orders the closure of indoor activities all across the state. Los Angeles, San Diego schools, they uh, are going to resume online classes in the fall due to the jump in the number of coronavirus cases. And they expect that uh, the school year will take place outside of the classroom, at least for the first uh, several months. Well, after four days of uncontrolled burning before firefighters could bring under control the fire that engulfed the amphibious assault ship USS Bonham Richard, was contained on Thursday, prompting a Navy investigation on the ship while it was in port. The ship sustained uh, sustained extensive damage, including to its skin, according to officials. And while firefighters uh, battled the blaze, the 40,000-ton ship listed toward both its support and starboard sides, according to the Navy, likely due to the massive qualities of water that poured into the hull. Following a walkthrough with the ship on Thursday, the Navy announced it would begin the investigation to determine how the fire started and whether the ship can even be saved. There's some question. The Navy says the fire has been put out aboard the Bonham in San Diego. Twenty-one were injured after the explosion and fire broke out on the Bonham Richard. 
at the naval base in San Diego. In other news, Georgia Governor Brian Kemp is suing Atlanta to block the city from enforcing a mandated wearing of masks in public and other rules related to COVID-19, saying in a court filing, the city's leadership was illegally circumventing state executive orders with their own edicts. In a suit filed in state court late Thursday, the governor and the Georgia Attorney General Chris Carr, they argue that Atlanta Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms has overstepped her authority and has to obey Kemp, the governor's executive order under state law. The governor seeks to have this court make a declaration that Mayor Bottoms' executive orders are more restrictive and contradictory to his executive orders, and therefore Mayor Bottoms' COVID-19-related executive orders are suspended, the lawsuit says. In other news, Mr. Biden, he's tweeting that the Obama White House left Trump a playbook on pandemics. Not everyone agrees. Fifteen female ex-Redskin employees allege sexual harassment, a bombshell report says. And British Airways has retired its entire fleet of Boeing's jumbo jets. Twitter says about 130 accounts were targeted in a cyber attack this week. And T-Mobile's kicks off its new merger with a robocall killer. Yay, T-Mobile. Well, the media is taking the White House press secretary out of context on science, say critics, the Washington Post, CNN, The Hill, CBS News, and quite naturally, Jim Acosta are among them. Katie Blavlet, Pavlich rather, says this is actually a stunning lie. Well, they quote um, uh, Kaylee McEnany as saying the science should not stand in the way of schools reopening. As she spoke, it was clear what she meant, that science is on our side here. That's not what they chose to highlight, the context. Later, McEnany uh, went on to say, leave it to the media to deceptively suggest I was making the opposite point. Jake Tapper makes the point that folks read the entire McEnany comment about the science should not stand in the way of opening schools. She's arguing that the science is on the side of those who want to open them. She cites a uh, JAMA study. I'm not taking a position on the matter, but to be fair. And that was uh, Jake Tapper uh, taking to Twitter. Well, the police union that twice endorsed uh, Barack Obama and Joe Biden are now backing Donald Trump. The president of the union, Michael McHale, wrote, Our endorsement recognizes your steadfast and very public support of our men and women in the front lines, especially during this time of unfair and inaccurate uh, approbation being directed at our members by so many. From another story, despite Biden's efforts to align with both the protesters and the police, it appears that some police unions are rethinking their backing of him amid concerns that he's embraced anti-police rhetoric. And that back and forth, I am certain, will continue. The Smithsonian has pulled an anti-white chart from its website, saying it's being misinterpreted and misused from the Smithsonian. They say, we have listened to public sentiment and we've removed a chart that does not contribute to the productive discussion we had intended. The site's intent and purpose are to foster and cultivate conversations that are respectful and constructive and provide increased understanding. But they kept the anti-white rhetoric. Senator Josh Hawley points out that the Smithsonian has now taken down this unbelievable chart, but I wonder why it was ever posted in the first place. I'll have to have a few questions for the Smithsonian and we'll share their answers, he wrote on Twitter. And from Congressman Chip Roy, I am working with my GOP colleagues to call on uh, hearings in House oversight to demand answers from the Smithsonian for this racist, anti-American, incomprehensibly stupid nonsense put out with taxpayer dollars. Ouch. Meanwhile, New York, no schools, but will provide child care. So students can gather together, but they just can't learn at the same time. So all the COVID-19 danger of school, but without the education. Many are scratching their heads on that one. 
Meanwhile, Secretary Barr's blisters Hollywood for kowtowing to China, saying if uh, if what happened in China stayed in China, that would all be a bad would be bad enough. But instead of America changing China, China is leveraging its economic power to change America. The Chinese Communist Party seeks to extend its influence around the world, including on American soil. All too often, he went on to say, for the sake of short-term profits, American companies have succumbed to that influence, even at the expense of freedom and openness in the United States. Sadly, examples of American businesses bowing to Beijing are legion. Later, he went on to say, Hollywood actors, producers, and directors pride themselves on celebrating freedom and the human spirit. And every year at the Academy Awards, Americans are lectured about how this country falls short of Hollywood's ideals of social justice. But Hollywood now regularly censors its own movies to appease the Chinese Communist Party, the world's most powerful violator of human rights. This censorship infects not only versions of movies that are released in China, but also many that are shown in American theaters to American audiences. In other news, Donald Trump released a list of 42 disastrous things Joe Biden would do as president, part of a campaign, and the Republican National Committee has restricted convention attendance over the virus concerns. Attorney General William Barr slammed Hollywood and big tech for kowtowing to the Chinese Communist Party, but what will follow? Big question mark. U.S. drug overdose deaths have resurged to a record 72,000 in the year 2019. And who to thunk it? Vaping rates among naturally rebellious young people increased with anti-vaping campaigns. Florida and Texas both set coronavirus death records on Thursday, but both are still far short of New York and New Jersey. We're going to continue to take a look at the news, but do need to take a quick break. You're listening to the Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, we're back. You're listening to the Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. And oh, it feels so good to say that and to be back home in my own chair hosting my own show. <laughs> As uh, I mentioned earlier, I had the opportunity to guest host for L.A. and San Diego, the two stations there over the last several days. But uh, always nice to be home. We're looking at some of the serious news, and later this hour, we'll look at the lighter side of the news as well. Well, Florida and Texas both set coronavirus death records on Thursday, but both are still far short of New York and New Jersey. Even mild obesity linked to severe um, coronavirus infection and death has been discovered. You can read more about that in Newsweek. And radiation emerges as an intriguing and divisive treatment for COVID-19. Well, U.S. workers filed 1.3 million jobless claims last week as the pandemic has intensified and fixed 30-year mortgage rates. They fell below 3% for the first time ever. Retail sales popped 7.5% more than expected in June, and additional hospitals are facing bankruptcy due to the moratorium on elective surgeries and ER volume drop. Three churches are suing Governor Newsom after California bans singing in places of worship of course, if you're chanting, you know, one of the more popular protest chants, maybe you can get away with that. What could possibly go wrong? Well, the prison population is down 8% amid the coronavirus outbreak. Viacom CBS have fired Nick Cannon, the rapper, for hateful speech and spreading anti-Semitic conspiracy theories. He is currently out of work, but stands by his earlier statements. Iranian spies accidentally leaked videos of themselves hacking I guess that was something of an epic fail. And a United Kingdom ISIS bride can now return to the country of origin to challenge citizenship annulment after leaving for Syria in 2015. The court has ruled. Well, New York City has eliminated its anti-crime unit and not surprisingly, violent crime has surged. 
Lockdowns and protests are causing a big spike in child trafficking as well. Well, taking a look at history, 1945, following Nazi Germany's surrender, President Harry S. Truman, Soviet leader Joseph Stalin, and British Prime Minister Winston Churchill began meeting at Potsdam in the final Allied summit of World War II. 1954, the two-day inaugural Newport Jazz Festival billed the first American jazz festival opens in Rhode Island. 1955, Disneyland has its opening day in Anaheim. 1975, on this day in history, an Apollo spaceship docks with the Soyuz spacecraft in orbit in the first superpower link-up of its kind. 1997, some of us will relate, Woolworth Corporation announces it is closing its 400 remaining five-and-dime stores across the country, ending 117 years in business. 2009, former CBS News anchor Walter Cronkite dies in New York at 92. 2014, on this day in history, all 298 passengers and crew aboard Malaysia Air Flight 17 are killed when the Boeing 777 is shot down over rebel-held eastern Ukraine. Finally, also in 2014, on this day in history, Eric Gardner, an unarmed black man accused of selling uh, loose, untaxed cigarettes, dies shortly after being wrestled to the ground by New York City police officers. A video of the takedown showed Gardner in his epic struggle. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show, and on Fridays we take a look at the lighter side of the news, and that is precisely what we will do later uh, in the program today. We're also going to give you an opportunity to hear my conversation from earlier this week with Joan Lippis of Novea Ministries. Some of you might recall Joan lives in Jerusalem, and I asked her to give us a perspective of what's happening there, not just related to the physical fallout of COVID-19, but what's the spiritual condition. She'll be joining us in the next hour of the program. Well, the infectious disease and infectious disease expert says pandemics will likely be more common in the days ahead. And Dr. Fauci urges urges governments to be as forceful as possible on mask rules. He said on Friday uh, that state and local government leaders should be a forceful as forceful as possible in urging wearing of masks to prevent the spread of the deadly coronavirus, which the top infectious disease expert says is still in the first wave in the United States and has hit Americans very severely. He said the United States needs to get better control over COVID-19 and masks must be a priority for the country to open up. I would urge the leaders, the local political and other leaders in states and cities, towns to be as forceful as possible in getting your citizenry to wear masks. The director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease said during a video conference with the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, physical distancing is the most important, but practically when you're living your life and trying to open up the country, You're going to come into contact with people. And for that reason, we know that masks are really important and we should be using them, everyone. His comments come as state and local leaders have taken wildly different approaches to mask wearing. Meanwhile, acting Homeland Security Secretary Chad Wolf yesterday accused Portland politicians of enabling the mob of protesters who besieged the city for more than six weeks and posted a lengthy timeline of damage caused by violent anarchists. The city of Portland has been under siege, he writes, for 47 straight days, it's now 50 by the way, by a violent mob while local politicians and political leaders refused to restore order to protect their city. Said in a statement, eight night, uh, each night lawless anarchists destroy and desecrate property, including the federal courthouse, and attack the brave law enforcement officers protecting it. The city descends into chaos in the wake of the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis. And while demonstrations took place in other cities and eventually fizzled out in Portland, they've gone on for more than six weeks. 
bringing violence and destruction of property. Local businesses have reported a minimum of $23 million in losses due to looting and rioting that have gripped its downtown area. And rioters were uh, seen lighting mattresses on fire and setting off fireworks in the streets. Protesters have also set up tents in the park near the federal courthouse. They barricaded streets to create their own autonomous zone, likened uh, to the since-disbanded Capitol Hill organized protest in Seattle. Earlier this month, the U.S. Department of Homeland Security deployed more than a half dozen law enforcement agencies and departments with officers from the U.S. Marshals, the Federal Protective Services and U.S. Customs and Border Protection, rotating protection services throughout the city in a bid to quell the violence and protect federal property, a move opposed by local politicians. On Thursday, Mr. Wolf also released a timeline showing the havoc caused by what DHS termed violent anarchists, and it continues. Portland protesters flooding the police precinct, chanting um, about burning it down and uh, destroying property in the area. In other news, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, we've learned, has been undergoing chemotherapy to treat recurrence of cancer. The Supreme Court justice has been undergoing the chemotherapy uh, because of the reoccurrence. Uh, She said in a statement today, I have often said I would remain a member of the court as long as I can do the job full steam. I remain fully able to do that. Uh, The announcement comes after being discharged from the hospital earlier this week for another health issue. Her hospitalization this week was unrelated to the cancer treatment. The justice said in the statement, the hospital stay on Tuesday was to remove gallstones and treat an infection. The court said she was discharged one day later. The liberal justice, 87, has faced a slew of health concerns in recent years. She's previously revealed several bouts with cancer, including colorectal, pancreatic and lung cancers. In Friday's statement, Ginsburg said that she began chemotherapy this spring after a periodic exam following the biopsy, revealing lesions in her liver. The chemotherapy is yielding positive results, she said, after a July 7th scan indicated a significant reduction in the lesions on her liver and no new disease. Well, the Pentagon on Friday laid out a new policy that will ban displays of the Confederate flag on military installations in the uh, uh, of recent violent violence rather in a memo that avoids mentioning an explicit ban or the controversy of the flag itself flags are powerful symbols particularly in the military they went on to say uh, for whom flags embody common mission common history and the special timeless bond of warriors the memo said they it was signed by the defense secretary mark esper lists the type of flags that may be displayed at military installations including the american flag military service flags flags of u.s states and territories and the pow mia flag as well as flags for which the u.s is a member such as nato you're listening to the georgine rice show we'll take a quick break but we'll be back with the lighter side of the news. Stay with us. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, we're back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. Today, we're taking a look at the lighter side of the news. And to join me in that effort is the one and only James Blend. It's Yo, no James. effort whatsoever. So it's been rather peculiar. You and I have not had the opportunity to work together much for the last few days. So it's, uh, it's good to be back, the team, uh, back together again. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's certainly been a weird week with helping you out a bit with uh, the L.A. Um, adventure while keeping uh, the show afloat here in Portland uh, with Eric Metaxas on Monday and then uh, rerunning portions of the program from L.A. and San Diego on Tuesday and Wednesday. And then yesterday, you were kind of on your own completely with a radiothon. Yep. But we're together again for a good Friday fun 
well, not Good Friday, but Friday fun. <laughs> to and then you're stuck the, with me all next week, and we're back to normal. Ish. Absolutely. Glad to, glad that that's the case. Well, let's take a look at some of the lighter side of the news. We just learned that Crayola is creating back-to-school line of kids masks with this pandemic. Now, we all know that back-to-school is going to look a little different these days, but they've created a lineup of pretty fun and colorful masks for children that are designed to fit their faces. They come in various sizes for back-to-school Um if, in fact, kids are going back to school, uh, the popular brand has collaborated with School Mask Pack to make um, face coverings for kids. Uh, there are some that look like uh, crayo- crayons. Uh, they come in primary colors. There's some that have different little faces on them. They're actually pretty cute. Yeah, looking at the ones that, uh, that are on the website, uh, the, these are totally ones I would, uh, I would get from my daughter. I, you know, I don't know what her uniform requirements are yet for uh, what the masks will need to look like, but uh, definitely plan to keep these in mind. Yeah. Apparently, you have to pre-order them at this point. And if you're interested in learning more, you can go to schoolmaskpack.com. That's singular, schoolmaskpack.com. But pretty cute little Crayola images on these masks. Well, people around the world are finding different ways to relieve stress during the coronavirus pandemic. Now, some have tried running. People are gardening, doing puzzles, cooking. Some are just flat out eating. But what about screaming? Have you thought about that? Well, Promote Iceland, which encourages tourism to the country, is encouraging people to scream to relieve pent-up frustration. Well, we've had plenty of that here for other reasons. But uh, even if you can't travel to Iceland to do it, you can scream into your device and your voice will be broadcast throughout the empty, empty Icelandic countryside. Now, they're trying to help people out. They're broadcasting the world's screams to relieve coronavirus stress. Now, a website for the ad campaign shows yellow loudspeakers playing the screams of people from around the globe in front of peaceful scenery like glaciers and caves and waterfalls. A button at the top of the site invites users to join in with the phrase, tap to scream. You've been through a lot this year, they say, and it looks like you need the perfect place to let your frustrations out. Promote Iceland says somewhere, big, vast, and untouched. It looks like you need Iceland. Record your scream and we'll release it in Iceland's beautiful, wide-open spaces. And when you're ready, come let it out for real. You'll feel better, we promise. Now, I don't know what the glaciers think about that or the animals that inhabit this area, but you can hear the screams of people from around the world there in these isolated places in Iceland. You giving them a call, James? Yeah, no, I don't think so. I'm not sure if my long distance covers that. Long, there's a term from the past. <laughs> You're a long distance carrier. When's the last time I heard that term? Yeah, really. <laughs> well, it's rather interesting that um, and it's a re- pretty clever way to keep Iceland in, uh, top of mind for people who may be traveling someday in the future before life draws to a close. Uh, so you can be in touch and scream to the elements if you choose. Scream to the elements. I mean, you know, I think that that's... Uh... Isn't that the name of a band, Scream to the Elements? Yeah, it's my uh, Tears for Fears uh, cover band, I believe. (laughs) Well, uh, here's what they're doing in Seoul. Hundreds of drones lit up the night sky in uh, Seoul for a spectacular showcase of motivational and awareness messages as the world battles the coronavirus pandemic. 300 unmanned aerial vehicles were programmed to form images above the Han River, which runs through the South Korean capital, for the eye-catching flash mob. Now, this is a flash mob that's all drones. 
Uh, they, the show began with messages reminding people of key precautionary measures, including wearing masks, washing hands, keeping a two-meter distance from others. Uh, the drones created images of a mask surrounded by coronavirus particles, quickly shuffling to uh, form two hands and water droplets against the dark night sky. It was a 10-minute show. It shifted to messages of gratitude for medical personnel and the front lines of the pandemic, as well as all South Koreans for their collective efforts. Thank you, the drones wrote in the sky next to a heart shape, then formed a silhouette of the Korean peninsula with the message, cheer up Republic of Korea. Now, the government, uh, government organized event uh, on Saturday night was not advertised in advance in coordination with social distancing rules, the transport ministry said. So this was just an unexpected uh, effort coordinated by the government to send out a message of gratitude and things that would inspire their people. What a cool idea. Yeah, that, I mean, you know, a lot of work clearly goes into that. So, I mean, I, I think that, uh, it's, you know, any type of flash mob takes a, a lot more work than I think I uh, get credit for. But uh, I saw some video of it, and it was really impressive. Yeah, it really is uh, very impressive. I hope someone thinks to do that here at some point. Maybe not here, but somewhere here in the broader sense. Well, a California state worker is celebrating her 77th year of working for the government and her 100th birthday. She's worked for the government for 77 years. And she's you know, still we talk on her a lot first about project. <laughs> we talk a lot about people who go for the Guinness Book of World Records for one thing or another. I'm not sure if she's broken any record, but what do you say you and I go for it? 77 years on the air. Boy, I'm further closer to that than I'd like to think even at this age. Um, <laughs> 77 on the... And I started in uh, radio at 18. So well, there you go. You might make it. It's, you know, I, I started at KPDQ at 20. So, uh, it's I mean, doable. It, it would, uh, I'd be between 95 and 97 when I got there, but it sounds like I'd beat her. Um. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what this state government uh, worker, May Lee, who's now 100, uh, says. It's the longest tenured employee with the state, as well as the oldest serving state employee. I'm not sure how she managed to stay in her position. She's worked for the state for 77 years, most recently as a financial analyst for the Department of General Services. 100 years old, she's still able to do that job. Pretty impressive. She said she still prefers to do her work on budgets uh, with a pencil and paper. It's just as easy to do it um, by hand and fast than to put it into a computer, she says. Coworkers says she often goes above and beyond her duties. She's very meticulous in all the reports she writes, longtime colleague says. Another secretary of the Government Operations Agency for California says she is a state treasure. Most people would look at her and think that she would be in a rocking chair somewhere on a porch, uh, adding that Lee still comes to work and contributes. She has no plans to retire at 177 years of service. I think I'd be best if um, I could do uh, this both uh, in uh, for my life and for the work that I do with my family. So I'm satisfied with uh, with things as they are. And she fully intends to continue at age 77, or I should say age 100, with a 77-year um, commitment to the state. That's pretty impressive in uh, California, as I mentioned. Firefighters uh, rescued a British teenager after she climbed into a baby swing to shoot a TikTok video and got stuck. Now, TikTok, which is pretty controversial right now because we know of the China connection, encourages and inspires people to be to do really stupid things. Uh, this 14-year-old from Oxfordshire was filming a TikTok video with her friends at an Oxfordshire 
playground when she climbed into the baby swing and found herself unable to climb back out. Her mother uh, called the fire department when she was unable to free her daughter. The video of the uh, rescue shows the firefighters removing the swing from its hinges so the teenagers could be, teenager singular, could be extracted with the help of some liquid soap. So apparently she was wedged in there pretty good. Um, she's planning to bake a cake to thank the firefighters, but it's just another example of some of what first responders are called upon to do when we do stupid things inspired, in this case, by other teenagers. Somewhere there's a, a Chinese government meeting where they're laughing at that video. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm pretty sure they probably hold meetings on a daily basis laughing at videos produced for TikTok while they're collecting other information from um, – that is, I, I have to admit, for somebody who's very, uh, you know, I, I would refer to myself as social media savvy. At least I'm certainly not super active. I don't have, uh, I don't have a Snapchat account or anything like that. But TikTok is one I would not go near because of yeah, the, just the possibility that all of, all of a sudden everything. You know, I, for all I know, I've signed over everything to the Chinese government just by using the software. So it's just better to avoid it. Yeah, yeah. Hey, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We'll be back in a few moments to continue to take a look at some of the lighter side of the news. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back. You're listening to the Friday edition of The Georgine Rice Show. James Blind has joined me to take a look at the lighter side of the news. You know, I made reference in the first segment about people trying to break records. Well, I have a series of them. You know, people are looking for things to do. Maybe if you're bored, you might consider going for one of the Guinness Book of World Records. A North Carolina firefighter unofficially broke a Guinness World Record when he completed 5,297 burpees in 12 hours. That's burpees, not burps. Nick Christopoulos, 30, said he trained for his second attempt by doing 100 burpees squat thrusts with a stand in between repetitions for every call that came into the firehouse. The day he started, I did 1,300 in one day, he says. He said the record was broken twice while he was training, adding more than 600 additional reps to his goal. It was pretty devastating, he recalled, but it made me train even harder. Well, Christopoulos, he ended his attempt with 5,297. He said video evidence and paperwork are being submitted to Guinness to have the record officially recognized. If you're bored, you might consider doing 5,298 burpees to set the record. And then there's this. An Idaho man with a talent for breaking Guinness World Records kept three balloons in the air for one hour, 12 minutes, and 50 seconds. Wow, that's an accomplishment. David Rush who's broken more than 150 Guinness records to promote STEM education, said he secured use of an empty gym for his attempts to take the record for the longest duration to keep three balloons in the air. He controlled them with his hands, feet, head for one hour and 12 minutes and 50 seconds, enough to beat the previous record of 39 minutes and 49 seconds. He said he previously beat the same record with a 15-minute attempt in January of 2019, but was beaten by the current record, which he said actually occurred before his attempt, but hadn't been adjudicated by Guinness until after he was awarded. Apparently, people have a lot of time on their hands. And then there's this Arizona man. He described is described, rather, by Guinness World Records as a master Jenga stacker. He's managed to pile a whopping 485 blocks on top of just one of the game's pieces, breaking his own record set last year. The impressive structure, which is shaped like an inverted pyramid, was Built in two hours, the tower stood for almost nine minutes before he got his son to come in and knock it down, he says. A Guinness World Record says um, Vilanti 
he built a similar tower last year with 353 blocks to claim the record for most Jenga blocks stacked in one vertical Jenga piece. The most incredible part of the tower is that the Thai buildings, he expands its outward from the single Jenga block, giving it a physical physics-defying appearance. So it's like an upside-down pyramid. And then finally, an Egyptian athlete broke a Guinness World Record when he completed 56 aerobic step-ups in a single 30-second session. Mohammed Mohammed Ayab, uh, who previously broke the Guinness World Record for most hand-release push-ups, with the thumbs in one minute, most hand-release push-ups with the thumbs in one minute, set up a training bench in front of his um, temple to break his latest record. Ayab, who posted video of his attempt on YouTube, completed a 56 step-ups in 30 seconds, breaking the previous record of 51. As a fitness enthusiast, he says, and a graduate from Faculty of Sports, I always look up the Guinness, look up at the Guinness World Records title holders as superhuman, and it never crossed my mind I would ever be one of them. Superhuman is now defined as 56 aerobic step-ups in a single 30-second session. I could do that. I'm sure. Yeah, I think you probably could. In my you sleep. Know, <laughs> yeah, in, uh, in sleep without actually doing it in real life. You know, we're um, seeing fewer and fewer police being funded these days. So one pizza shop owner decided he was going to prevent a robbery from being successful by tossing a pie at the suspect. Now, we all might need to get a little bit creative these days. The owner of a pizza shop, he used his available resources to fend off a robbery attempt by a man with a machete outside his store in Delaware. Machete versus pizza box. I don't know. I might have given him the pizza instead. He threw a pizza at him. It happened on Friday as the owner of Stargate Pizza in Greenwood was closing down the shop for the night. According to the Delaware State Police, apparently they still have them. The owner told troopers that a man with a machete approached him demanding money. He said he told him he didn't have any and threw the pizza box at him, causing the machete-wielding man to flee in a car. Troopers say the shop owner was uh, not injured. They're asking anyone with information to contact the police. So far, no suspects in the lineup. Wow. I mean, a pizza can be a weapon, I think, to some extent. Have you ever eaten one right out of the oven and burnt your tongue on it? I mean, those things are pretty hot. You, you know, you, th- you throw one at a, a criminal the right way, they're, they're going to be feeling some hurt for some, you know, <laughs> probably a couple some second-degree burns on their face. Well, there you uh, go. But, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think we need a seven-day, uh, you know, a seven-day waiting period to be able to own a pizza or anything like that. <laughs> well, maybe when it's wielded as a weapon. Well, everybody's getting on the bandwagon, and uh, KFC is no exception. They're moving beyond chicken with their latest testing, the Beyond Fried Chicken, starting, well, in just a couple of days, I think Monday to be precise. Uh, the fake meat brand is going to team up with some deep-fried plant-based chicken. Vegetarians, flexitarians, and just curious-tarians will have to venture out to Southern California, however, since that's where the fake poultry tasting will be available. It's going to be available as a 6 or 12 piece with a choice of dipping sauces. Wow. Says a, um, the KFC chief marketing officer, I've said it before, despite many imitations, the flavor of Kentucky Fried Chicken is one that has never been replicated until beyond fried chicken. We know the East Coast loved it, so we thought we'd um, give those on the West Coast a chance to tell us what they think of this exclusive sneak peek. Well, according to a press release, 50 locations in Los Angeles, Orange County, and San Diego 
Um, they're going to be testing the Beyond Fried Chicken while supplies last. Now, if you're going to be a vegetarian, why is there this constant effort to recreate things that you find abhorrent? Why do you want a hamburger um, if you think hamburgers are a bad thing? Why do you want fried chicken if you think eating poultry is a bad thing? You know, just stay in your lane and let people who eat these forms of protein stay in theirs. And isn't the deep frying as bad or worse than the chicken itself if uh, if you're a flexitarian or a vegetarian? What is what that? you, That's a new term to me, flexitarian? I think it's just kind of a humorous look at people who have all kinds of iterations of I, I don't eat this, I don't eat that. So. I don't know. There's a flexitarian diet. Okay, I'm looking at this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the don't health worry benefits about... of reducing meat and concentrating on plant-based proteins. Yeah. So don't worry about really? driving to a location only to find out it's not one of the 50. The colonel has created a Beyond Fried Chicken indicator on their website so you can actually find out uh, where it is. In 2019, the popular fried chicken spot debuted its Beyond Meat Chicken in Atlanta as a one-day event, it reportedly sold out within five hours. Now, selling out is one thing. People having one and then going back is another. So uh, so who knows what will happen with that or if we'll ever see it here in the Pacific Northwest. Would you try that? I mean, I might try it just out of blatant curiosity, but I, I certainly don't have any desire for it. I mean, for me, I, you know, of course, for a while, uh, due to some stomach issues I had a few years ago, I had to uh, go on a gluten-free diet uh, for quite a few years. And, uh, I, you know, I would try to find the gluten-free re free replacements for a lot of the foods I missed, but I was not on that diet by choice. Uh, I was, you know, it was a diet I was forced into, but I, to me, it always seemed like, if you were on a diet by choice, looking for foods that were similar to what you normally eat would be actually the road to failure because, you know, eventually, well, this quasi steak this isn't as good. This quasi, ooh, there's a steak. I shouldn't. No, I really shouldn't. But, oh, I miss it. Yeah. You know, I yeah. feel like it makes you miss. If you don't leave it completely behind, I feel like it, you, you're more likely to go back to it if you're just settling for a substitute the whole time. Yeah, go back to the real thing. Exactly. Well, a Pennsylvania Botanical Garden is celebrating the blooming of a rare and particularly pungent plant known as a corpse flower. I think you can imagine the rest. Longwood oh, the Gardens flowers in Kennett <laughs> Yeah, pretty bad. In Kennett Square, Chester County said its corpse flower, scientifically known as, the, well, I won't even try, has begun to bloom and release its, well, signature odor, which has often been compared to the scent of rotting meat. Corpse flowers, among the largest and rarest flowering plants in the world, can go several years in between blooms and give off their foul stench to attract pollinating insects who apparently like the smell. Longwood Garden said uh, tickets to see the flower during its bloom, which only lasts about 24 to 48 hours, quickly sold out. So if you're planning on making the effort, you're probably too late. However, there is always durian fruit, the nasty odor of durian fruit coming from a package of Bavarian post office left six workers hospitalized and caused 60 workers to be evacuated, according to reports. So there's enough stench, apparently, to go around. And, you know, the, one of the things worth mentioning is that, um, you know, it's a little bit uh, different, obviously, in 2020 with the uh, social distancing and whatnot, but there is a corpse flower locally. Oh, there is. There is. A university, a Washington State University in Vancouver has well, one. Well, I kind of remember hearing about that. And uh, I know last year it was open to the public, and right about this time of year is when it uh, when it bloomed. And, uh, I, I, you know, again, I don't know 
what the scenario is for this year with all the different restrictions, but uh, but it only blooms it may every be blooming few years, and smelling so. on its own. Yeah, yeah. But um, indeed, you know, the the travel is not necessary for years to come. Uh, if you really want to see and smell that awful flower, rotting meat, <laughs> there, it smells like rotting meat. Um, you you need not drive further than our neighbor to the north in Vancouver, Washington. Well, there sounds like a trip. Hey, you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We've got news and traffic coming up at the top of the hour, and we'll be back with some headline news. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Welcome to the second hour of The Georgine Rice Show. Glad to have you with us. James Blind is producing Clark Hilton Engineering, and I'm sitting in Dan Rice's office, which he graciously let me do every day for the last couple of months. Uh, today is the Friday edition of the show. Earlier, we spent some time looking at the lighter side of the news. We'll take a look, quick look at the headlines uh, here in this segment. And coming up, we'll hear from Joan Lippis with Novea Ministry. She is in Jerusalem. I had an opportunity to speak with her earlier this week, and we'll give you an opportunity to hear what's going on in Israel during this season of COVID-19, not just the prognosis of the virus and how it's impacting the community, but what the spiritual condition is there as well. So that's coming up in our next couple of segments. Taking a look at some of the news, uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci said Friday, state and local government leaders should be as forceful as possible in urging the wearing of face masks to prevent the spread of the deadly coronavirus, which the top infectious disease expert says is still in the first wave in the United States and has hit Americans very severely. He said the United States need to get better control of COVID-19 and masks must be a priority. Priority. I would urge the leaders, the local, clinical, and other leaders in state and cities and towns to be as possible, getting their citizenry to cooperate. Physical distancing is the most important, but practic- uh, practically, when you're living your life and trying to open up the country, you're going to come into contact with other people. And for that reason, we know that masks are really important and we should be using them. Everyone should be using them. And this in the midst of the back and forth, even among uh, state and local leaders, not to mention Washington. Well, hundreds of protesters took to the streets surrounding a Portland police precinct on Thursday night, blocking traffic, chanting about burning it down, according to social media and local reports. Local Fox affiliate KPDQ reported the group made made it easy for uh, to the front of the Portland Police Bureau's East Precinct in central Portland early Thursday night, where they crowded the streets as they chanted and played music. Authorities told the outlet someone lit a small fire in the street while other protesters entered the police property. Police originally said they had no plans to to engage with protesters but changed their tune less than an hour later shortly before 10 p.m. local time when a department tweeted a tweet rather announced that they had heard people from the crowd discussing their desire to enter the property and burn it down approximately two hours later police said the protest had been classified as an unlawful assembly and anyone who refused to leave would be subject to arrest or use of force it was not immediately clear how many arrests if any were made well the protest at the precinct was one of two demonstrations that took place on thursday several dozen people also gathered near the federal courthouse news outlets reported the crowd grew as the night progressed over the course of the night federal officers fired less lethal rounds and deployed tear gas to break up the crowd and push people away from the federal buildings video showed many protesters leaving the area near the federal courthouse late thursday as smoke filled the air Portland has seen 50 straight days of protests, prompting a visit from the Department of Homeland Security Acting Secretary Chad Wolf earlier in the day on Thursday, who complained that there is very little will in uh, Portland among leaders to quell the violence. 
Meanwhile, Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg has been undergoing chemotherapy treatment since May because of a reoccurrence of cancer, the justice said in a statement today. I have often said I would remain a member of the court as long as I can do the job full steam. I remain fully able to do that, she said. Well, the announcement comes after being discharged from the hospital earlier this week for another health uh, issue. Her hospitalization this week was unrelated to the cancer treatment, the justice said uh, in her statement. Tuesday's hospital stent was to remove a gallstone or stones and treat an infection. The court said she was discharged one day later. And the Pentagon on Friday laid out a new policy that will ban displays of the Confederate flag on military installations in a memo that avoids mentioning an explicit ban or controversial flag itself. Flags are powerful symbols, uh, the memo said, particularly in the military community for whom flags embody common mission, common histories, and the special timeless bond of warriors. The memo signed by the Defense Secretary Mark Esper lists the type flags that may be displayed in military installations. The Confederate flag was not among them. Uh, the Associated Press, which first obtained them, reported that the move was done in a way to ban, uh, ban without angering or contradicting President Trump, who has defended the right to display it. A Defense Department official, however, said it was to ensure the policy was apolitical and could withstand legal challenge. Flags we fly must accord with the military imperatives of good order and discipline, treating all our people with dignity and respect and rejecting divisive symbols, the memo says. Well, after all she's been through, her daughter says she certainly wasn't going to let coronavirus defeat her. Well, a German-Jewish World War II veteran who survived a Nazi assassination and plane crash and breast cancer now had another accomplishment, defeating coronavirus months before she turns 100. Joy Andrew, 99, who was described as indestructible, contracted COVID-19 in May at the Minister Grange Care Home in York, England. Two weeks later, it was based on end-of-life care, and her 57-year-old daughter said her final farewell. But staff and family watched in amazement as this feisty Joy, whose life hung the balance for two days, was able to miraculously defeat the virus. The war hero who joined the Women's Auxiliary Air Force and served in Bomber Command was able to keep her spirits alive once again. Says her daughter, Michelle, my mother survived an assassination attempt in post-war Germany by her, sh- her chauffeur, later identified as a Nazi. She also survived a crash landing in the desert as one of uh, BOAC's first air hostesses. She was rescued by Bedouins, she explained, and she survived breast cancer. She went on to add she certainly wasn't going to let coronavirus defeat her. Michelle was adopted by Joy and her uh, late husband, David, in 1963. Joy suffers from dementia, which family said prevents her from recognizing her achievement. But Michelle said the family will celebrate and looks forward to getting together for her 100th birthday in November. Pretty, uh, pretty amazing. And if you didn't have enough to worry about, apparently a bubonic plague squirrel has been found in Colorado. This is according to public health officials. This squirrel in Colorado was tested positive for bubonic plague. Uh, The squirrel found in the Denver suburb of Morrison is the first known plague case in Jefferson County. The county's health department stated on its website earlier in the month, China and Mongolia confirmed a total of three human cases of the plague. Bubonic plague famously ravaged Europe in the 1300s, earning the name the Black Death, and it never completely went away. It now can be effectively treated with antibiotics, particularly when caught early. People typically get plague from fleas that um, that have it. The U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention says humans also can be infected through contact with infected animals, such as rodents and cats, as well as through contact with infected humans. Plague symptoms include the sudden onset of fever, headache, chills, weakness, one or more uh, swollen, tender, painful lymph nodes, the CDC says. Lymph nodes can swell to the size of chicken's eggs, 
The World Health Organization warns that plague caused by the this particular bacteria can be a very severe disease in people, particularly in its um, pneumonic forms with the uh, case fatality ratio of 30 to 100 percent if left untreated. There are three forms of the plague. In the U.S. today, humans rarely get it, according to USA Today. Plague is typically found in the southwest in rural and semi-rural areas. Outbreaks among animals when people are most likely to be infected typically happen during cool summers that um, follows wet winters. So if you didn't have enough to uh, wring your hands about the plague, the bubonic plague found in a squirrel in Colorado, well, hopefully we're people of faith and not adding things to our list. Well, I had the opportunity while hosting in uh, Los Angeles, San Diego, to talk with my good friend, Joan Lippis, who lives in Jerusalem. She's the founder of Novea Ministries, and she uh, lives in Jerusalem. Um, she doesn't like the word evangelist, but to share uh, the gospel with those to whom she uh, her path crosses, and to make the glory of the Lord known. We had an opportunity to talk about what's going on in Israel, not just as it relates to the coronavirus, although we did talk about that, but in the broader sense, is there a spiritual climate there that makes the uh, uh, the gospel, people more open to the gospel? We'll talk with uh, Joan Lippis about that for our next couple of segments, and then we'll be back for some final thoughts we're going to take a look at the year that is 2020, some of the things that have happened that have faded from memory because it's all been overshadowed by this one big thing. So stay with us. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Joan Lippis ministers in Jerusalem. That's where she lives, and she has a unique ministry there. She is a witness to Jerusalem. She's the director of Novea Ministries. It's a mission uh, to uh, fill the earth with the knowledge of God's glory and the face of Christ Jesus, to fill the earth with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea until every knee bows and every tongue confesses Yeshua as Lord. She lives there. She has a unique ministry there and perspective as an evangelist, Bible teacher, and so much more. I invited Joan to join us to give us a perspective of what God is doing in Jerusalem during this season. I know we're all preoccupied with what the coronavirus numbers are and how many fatalities there have been, and rightly so, but I'm always convinced that God is doing something behind the curtain, behind the headlines that we may not be aware of, but when we look intently, we can see that God is moving in every circumstance and every age and in every area of the earth. So I'm delighted to welcome Joan Lippis to talk with us a bit about that today. Good afternoon, Joan. It's such a pleasure to talk with you. And I think I put Joan. Okay, there you are. Good afternoon, Joan. Good morning. Can you? <laughs> That's true for you in Jerusalem. It is morning. <laughs> It's 2 o'clock in the morning, but it's so good to hear your voice, my friend. Well, it's uh, it's good to hear yours as well. Let me give you an opportunity to tell our listeners what you are doing in Jerusalem and the work that God has called you to. The most important thing uh, my, my life is dedicated to is filling the earth with a knowledge of God's glory, because... Jerusalem is the epicenter of the world. You know, I, I'm an American. I love America. Um, nevertheless, being here in this place where everything started and is going to finish is very exciting. So whatever I can do to fill this little part of the earth, and then from here the law goes forth from Jerusalem. So whether it's my YouTube channel. Uh, my daily blog, Lunchtime Prayer for Israel, 
um, speaking to whoever I can, um, writing books, whatever it takes, that's what I do. Now, tell us a little bit about how you came to faith in Christ. You come from a Jewish background, so it shouldn't be surprising, but these days I suppose we are uh, more surprised than we ought to be when a daughter of Abraham comes to recognize Jesus as the Messiah. Well, all I had to do was read the Hebrew prophets because it's on every page. (laughs) Isaiah 53, um, when I first actually, um, I saw a sculptor sculpting the bust of a man, and he began to beat this this sculptor, sculptor, and it was an ugly man. I thought, what the heck is he doing? Why, why would he do such an ugly man? And as he's punching this thing, blood is spurting out all over. And what I didn't realize is that he was reading Isaiah 53 in the background, but listening to the words, he was bruised for our iniquities, he was baptized for our, you know, for our sins, I know I'm making an mess of that verse, but I suddenly went, wait a minute, wait a minute, that's Jesus, that's Jesus, what, what's he doing there? And, and then I began to read, and I thought, what is he doing in my Bible? Hmm. And it didn't take long after that. Um, I just I couldn't get it at first until, as I said, I read the Hebrew Prophets, and um, I, I got jealous, because that's exactly what Roman says that salvation has come in part to the Gentiles to provoke the Jews to jealousy. And and sadly, after (laughs) 2,000 years, um, the the Gentiles have done a very good job of provoking the Jews to anger. Uh, But today, they're provoking us to jealousy. And that's Mm -hmm. what happened. Short, Short story. Yeah, yeah. Praise God. Well, Joan, I think many of us are, you know, we're interested in getting our calculators out and seeing how many numbers there are there and what the rate of fatality is and all of that regarding the coronavirus. But I'm I'm very interested in the other side of the story, what God is doing in Jerusalem, in Israel during this season. And I know you are uniquely placed to observe uh, what God is doing because you are there to minister the gospel as few people can. Can you give us a, a bit of a Uh, a view of what's happening where you are? It is the most exciting time to be alive, especially here. Um, I said to a friend of mine the other day, because she said something about the situation politically, I said, don't don't look at things politically. When there is such chaos and you don't understand what's going on and you certainly don't have any answers, stop looking around you and start looking up. We have to see everything from the grid of God's Word, and that, that's where we are. Um, no matter who I speak to here, we are not, they're not concerned about the disease. They're concerned about the economy, and because, because we, you know, that every day there is another um, requirement or there's another, let's do it this way or let's do it that way to try to bring the economy back. But in the midst of the chaos, I have a simple, you know, I just say, hey, what do you think is going on? And, you know, everybody shrugs their shoulder. And I said, have you ever heard of Jacob's Trouble? And some people look at me and some people say, yeah, but. I said, do you know what it is? And that gives me the chance to start talking about eschatology. Eschatology is not what so many 
churches want to talk about today, and yet the, the Scripture says if you see war coming and you don't warn people, their blood is on your head. And I started to say that to somebody the other day, and they said, oh, that gives me goosebumps. I said, it should give you goosebumps. Now let's talk. And people are, are ready. They are so ready because they know they don't have answers, and they know that um, they got to do something, but they don't know what to do. And I tell them what to do. <laughs> if, <laughs> if, they're, if they're ready, and they may not be, but the point is, that we have to move from being watchmen on the wall to proclaimers from the wall. And day after day after day after day, um, no matter where I am, this chaos gives me the opportunity to challenge, to challenge people, and they are ready to listen. Very, very exciting. Very exciting times. And, you know, part of it, Georgie, and I shouldn't say part of it, it's all God's timing, is that people have been praying for such a time as this, for this people, for so long. And that's why I do what I do, Lunchtime Prayer for Israel, showing people how to pray God's promises um, from Hebrew Bible so that the ground is ready. The ground is ready, and it's very exciting. You know, one of the things I, I like to say is people come here to walk where Jesus walked. And you know, because you've been here and we've yes. hung out together here on the street, it's like, let's look at where Jesus is walking now. Yes. Look at what he's doing now and then start talking about what he's going to do tomorrow and the day after and the day after. I should mention that the Lunchtime Prayer for Israel, it's a tool for evangelism, for confronting replacement theology, the feasts of the Lord, Israeli national holidays. They're presented and explained as prayer points during their season of celebration. So this is just a tremendous way to stay connected and to see what God has done, what he is doing, and how to pray together all around the world uh, for Israel. So you can check that out at Novea.org, and that's N-O-V-E-A, Novea. Dot org. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you realize it, but I'm now filming it every day. So what is written in text form, which you can subscribe to on that website, but you can also subscribe to the YouTube channel where I can do, I can go off script. And you know me, I love to go <laughs> off script. <laughs> so um, it, it's there. On, also, you can go to novea.org media. And there you've got my two YouTube channels. More of my conversation with Joan Lippis in just a few moments. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We'll continue my conversation with Joan Lippis from Novea Ministries right now. So you mentioned that people are open to exploring what God is doing during this season. Are they interested in just finding out how that relates to events on the ground, uh, whether or not this is the destruction of Israel and its economy or um, whether or not uh, scriptures are being fulfilled? What is it that that interests them about uh, these tragic events that has uh, gotten all of our attention and perhaps made us think a bit more soberly about our own mortality? It depends on the person. Mm -hmm. You know, the the gospel is not a one-size-fits-all. 
um, when you're having a conversation with anybody, you have to listen to where the people are. And if they're interested in the economy, we talk about the economy. If if the point is you start where people are, which is any place, and then you move them from their felt need to their real need. And that's the, that's, that's the goal. That's where I want to go. And it's, some, it's just planting seeds, planting seeds, letting people know how to reach me, but more importantly, how to reach their God, their God. That many of them, the other day I, I asked somebody, and who knows how you start a conversation? You just <laughs> do it by the Holy Spirit. And he said, well, I'm not a religious person. I said, look at me, I'm wearing jeans. I'm not a religious person either. Because that's one of the things that I find as I am talking to to the more secular um, here is they are afraid of of the very religious. Um, religion is not what God is all about. He's about relationship. So it's not about do this, do this, don't do this, wear this, eat this. That's not what God wants. God wants heart. So that's where I've got to get people to not being afraid of of you know, uh, being religious, and not being afraid of being uh, looking as if you're you're converting out of, you know, you're no longer going to be a Jew. One of the first things that they used to say to me is, what holidays do you celebrate? <laughs> I said, mm-hmm. I'm a Jew. I celebrate them all. Of course I said, you know. Um, so it, it, to answer your question, it just depends. You just have to listen to the Holy Spirit with one ear and the person with the other ear. You live, you live in Israel, and God has called you to minister. You are a gifted evangelist, and just to to observe you as you begin a conversation with a perfect stranger, and how your your spirit is listening to the spirit of God, and while the conversation is perfectly natural, and as you've pointed out, you start where the people you're you're speaking to are, and you listen to their hearts, and you present to them Jesus as much as is possible in the course of a conversation. Um, are, are you hopeful and seeing that uh, that kind of evangelism is being carried out throughout this season in Israel? Is there an, a growing openness, or are you seeing that um, people are so, even those who are followers of Jesus, are preoccupied with events that's preventing um, taking advantage of this opportunity to minister to people? I am very excited. I don't like to use the word evangelism here. It's not mm-hmm. a it's not a good word. Yeah, in, in this you're country. right. Um, you're you're building relationships with people. You are showing God's love, and that's one of the things that gives me quote the right to speak. Um, even with a mask on, you can smile with your eyes, and that, you know when you are walking in God's love, and you are walking in the spirit of truth and the spirit of love. The, 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 everything, the doors open up to you. So that's what I see that I'm doing. I'm just building relationships. And yes, I am encouraged because everybody here is seeing the same thing. Um, we are born for a purpose. And the purpose is, is, well, we know what the purpose is. It's to fill the earth with a knowledge. And that word in Hebrew, knowledge, means a personal relationship the way you and Dan know each other, and you have grown to know each other over the many years that we've been married. That's what God wants, to, and will fill the earth with, that kind of loving knowledge. Exciting times. Yes, I'm very encouraged. Very <laughs> encouraged. 
You mentioned that you were often asked, what holidays do you celebrate? One of the aspects of your ministry is exploring the uh, the feasts of the Lord with Celebrate Jesus. Can you explain that a little bit? I have My faith has been enriched so much uh, by learning about these feasts that are foreign to many Gentiles, but are relevant, and certainly so because they're in Scripture, when you understand them. You know, I'm doing, I just did a 12-week course on that, and everyone is walking away from the same thing. Wow, 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 we never saw it before. And I'm doing more classes this this fall. And again, just go to lunchtime prayer, go to classes. Um, To me, there are five aspects, and if you don't have every one of those aspects, when you're looking at the feast, you're missing something. Um, you know, when did it happen? What did God do to the nation of Israel? But then we get to the real crucial issue. How do we see the character of God? How do we recognize Yeshua? And so what? Every one of those holidays was fulfilled in the light, death, burial, resurrection, and return, especially the fall feasts that are coming up. My goodness gracious, Feast of Tabernacles, it is so exciting for the believer, for the believer. How else can we make the Jewish people jealous? We know their God, quote, their God, better than they do, and we celebrate their holidays because their holidays were given to the one new man. We think of them as being Jewish holidays. No, 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 no. They are our holidays, Georgie. They're our holidays. You and me, Jew and Gentile, Together, we are the one new man. What else can make people jealous when they see the love that we have for each other? Mm-hmm. You and I How have been walking together for a long time. We look differently. We sound differently. I wish I could sing the way you sing. <laughs> but God sees us as one. We are sisters in Him. That's right. That's right. How can we pray for the peace of Jerusalem and that uh, the work that God intends there will be fulfilled? Well, we think of shalom, we think of peace as being absence of war. Well, ain't going to happen. Before we have that kind of peace, which can only come from Yeshua, we are going going to go through horrendous times, times that are going to make the, the Holocaust look like a picnic. So when you're praying for the peace, you are praying for the fulfillment of destiny that Jerusalem will become the city of God. And so whatever it takes, whether it's the good, the bad, and the ugly, because it's going to be pretty ugly here before it gets good, you want to pray that the gospel goes out clearly, strongly, and that we fulfill the destiny that God has created for this people, this land, and this city, because... In those days, every everyone, every Gentile, every Jew is going to come to this city to worship the King of Kings, and that's Zechariah 14. So that's how you pray. You pray for the fulfillment of destiny that Israel, or that Jerusalem and Israel, becomes all that God has designed for her, which again is in Hebrew Scriptures. That's how you pray. Well, Joan, I so appreciate your getting up. In the wee hours of the morning there in Jerusalem, (laughs) in order to speak to us in the comfortable hour of four o'clock here in the Northwest. (laughs) I so appreciate your uh, your willingness to do that. Now, once again, our listeners, if they'd like to connect, and I hope they will, there's so much 
uh, rich information on your website, Novea.org. And maybe I should just invite you to explain what Novea means because it's a word unfamiliar to the Western uh, uh, language. Sure. And the, the full website is Novea at Novea.org. So it's repeated. Novea means bursting or bubbling forth. <laughs> That's your personality, Georgina. It's my personality. <laughs> it comes from Psalm 19. It comes from Psalm 145. Um, and that's what we want to do. We want to burst, burst of the good news of who God is in the face of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah. So, Novea at Novea.org. And all my YouTube channel, my you know, lunchtime prayer on the YouTube channel um, repeats that over and over and over again. Novea at Novea.org. Okay, Joan. Let me encourage you to get some rest, and I look forward to talking to oh, you no, again. Oh, no, I'm up now. I'm, I'm jazzed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going back to sleep. You can always take a nap later, I suppose. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you so much, Joan. I sure appreciate your being with us today. Love you, Georgine. Thank Love you. Love you, too. Bye, all. <laughs> Bye-bye. Uh, I have had the opportunity to, um, first of all, Joan lived in the, here in the Pacific Northwest. She's lived in California, but... Uh, she moved to Jerusalem, and on the several occasions that I've had the opportunity to travel to Israel, uh, we've had the opportunity, and Dan, by the way, she referenced Dan and I, he's my husband, we've had the opportunity to meet with her in Jerusalem. And if you want to see Jerusalem and Israel, you need to connect with someone who lives there, who knows it, who is a part of the community, and you get the experience that's unlike the sort of touristy thing. And we've done that too, but when we spend time with uh, with her, uh, we get an opportunity to to live as Israelis do, and so I've so appreciated her uh, her insight, her friendship, and all that her ministry provides. Again, her um, web address is novea at novea dot org. I happen to find it just novea dot org, but apparently it's novea at novea dot org, and that's spelled n o v e a dot org. And the uh, 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 lunchtime prayer for Israel uh, can come to your um, email. It can come to your uh, phone via text, and it just gives you an opportunity to read or watch a short video and pray for Israel along with others from all over the world. And she has uh, folks who connect with her from all over the world. So appreciate Joan Lippis. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Dear Diary, in January, Australia caught on fire. I don't even know if the fire was put out because we straight up almost went to war with Iran. We might actually still be almost at war with them. I don't know because Jen Aniston and Brad Pitt, they spoke to one another at an award show and everyone flipped out. But then there was the thing happening in um, in China. Then Prince Harry and Meghan pieced out of the royal family and there was the whole impeachment trial. And then coronavirus showed up in the United States officially, but then Colby died in the UK, pieced out of the European Union. In February, Iowa mishandled the caucus results and the president was acquitted and the Speaker of the House took 10 whole years to rip up a speech. But then the World Health Organization decided to give this virus the name COVID-19, which confused some really important people in charge, like our lives, um, uh, which confused them into thinking that there were 18 other versions before it. But then Harvey Weinstein was found guilty and the Americans started asking if Corona beer was safe to drink. And every Everyone on Facebook became a doctor who just knew the flu like um, 
uh, killed way more people than COVID-1 through 18. In March, stuff hit the fan. Warren dropped out of the presidential race and Sanders was like Bernie or bust. But then Italy shut its whole country down and then COVID-1 through 18 officially uh, became what everyone already realized, a pandemic. And then a nationwide state of emergency was declared in the United States, but it didn't really change anything. So everyone was confused and thought it was still just the flu. But then COVID, not 18, um, was, well, you know, like taking me seriously. I'm going to infect the one celebrity everyone loves and totally infect Tom Hanks uh, so that you're going to pay attention because I can't teach them anything other than how to use a touchscreen when it comes to serious issues. Well, then they closed down all of the salons so you can't get your hair done or your nails done. Everyone had to work from home and attend Zoom meetings in their underwear. So the Dow took a, a dive and most of us still don't understand why the stock market is so important or even a thing. Well, we were then uh, all introduced to Tiger King, and that's a whole nother story. We were introduced to the fact that we don't wash our hands enough in the first place because all of our hands are now dry and gross, and we're all searching for lotion now. In April, Bernie finally busted himself out of the presidential race, but the New York City became the set of The Walking Dead, and we learned that no one has face masks, ventilators, or toilet paper, or uh, Swiffer wet jet. And by now, our outgrowth is showing, so there's a shortage of box hair dye, and all our hair... Uh, dressers are like, no, don't do it. But then Kim Jong-un died, but then he came back to life, or did he? Who knows, because then the Pentagon released videos of UFOs and nobody cared, and we were like, man, it's only April. In May, the biblical end times kicked off. Historical locusts swarmed. We learned of murder hornets and realized that 2020 was the start of the Hunger Games. However, people forgot to let us know. People legit started to protest lockdown measures with AR-15s. Sports events uh, were canceled everywhere. But then people all over America finally reached a breaking point with race issues and violence. There were protests every city, which was confusing to some of us because people were definitely gathering in crowds of more than 10 and for some uh, for sure, closer than six feet away from each other. Those people must have forgotten about the pandemic called COVID, not one through 18. Media struggled with how to focus on two important things at once. People in general struggle to focus on more than one important thing. A dead whale was found in the middle of the Amazon rainforest after monkeys stole COVID one through 19 from a lab and ran off with them. And either in May or April, no one is keeping track by this time, that a giant asteroid narrowly missed the earth. In June, common sense just got, well, thrown straight out the window and somehow wearing masks became a political thing but then everybody sort of remembered that there was a pandemic then scientists announced they found a mysteriously undiscovered mass at the center of the earth and everybody was like don't dare touch it but then everybody took a pause and realized that people actually believe gone with the wind was like non-fiction but then it was also announced that there was a strange radio signal coming from somewhere in the universe that repeats itself every so many days and everyone was like don't you dare attempt to communicate with it but then America reopened from the shutdown that actually wasn't even really a shutdown. And so far, things have gone spectacularly not that great. All of the um, uh, Karens came out at once and people started tearing down statues. Everyone is on Facebook arguing. People started tearing things down there, too. They're arguing about masks. But then Florida was like, hold my beer and let me show you how we're number one in all things, including uh, now, not uh, Corona beer, coronavirus. Then we learned there was a massive dust cloud coming straight at us from the Sahara Desert, which is totally normal. But this is 2020. So the ghost mummy thing is almost likely in that dust cloud. We then learned that meth gators, and I'm like, this is uh, so 
2020 bingo cardish. Can we use it in our free space? Then we learned that the Congo's worst ever Ebola outbreak is over. And we were like, there was an e- Ebola outbreak that was the worst ever. And don't forget, we just discovered flying snakes, seriously flying snakes, and the 2000 duck army that China is sending to Pakistan to help with the locusts. So here comes July. At this point, we're pretty much over it. Just tell us what's next. Aliens, Zeus, asteroids, artificial intelligence becomes self-aware. That's 2020 so far. And oh my, what a year it has been. What a year it has been. Hey, I want to thank James Blend for producing today's program, Clark Hilton for engineering, Dan Rice for the use of his office. Thank you for making the Georgine Rice Show part of your day. Hope you have a great weekend. Good night. Thanks for listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like to download a podcast of the show or would like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com or on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at G. Rice Show and like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ.